Welcome to the Lost Then Found Podcast. This is a space where we will discuss life, share truth, and gain an encouraging perspective, no matter our season or our circumstances. I'm your host, China Vogel, and this is a peek into my journey of being lost then found. podcast today. I am your host, China Vogel, and today we are shaking things up a bit with our first ever listener-submitted topic. And today we are going to be talking about fear. So fear, in its most general sense, uh, implies that there is anxiety and usually a loss of courage, that you are discouraged, right? Um, That courage has been removed from you and fear is this crippling thing. And I'm sure we've all experienced it, whether it's been great or been small. And as my mother-in-law would say, uh, it was false evidence appearing real. So there's false evidence that appears to be real. Fear, F-E-A-R. And it makes me think of my little girl's. You know, they have nightmares, sometimes bad dreams. And if uh, it's bad enough, it'll actually wake them up. And a lot of times they're confused, right? They're out of sorts. Uh, they're crying and they're definitely, there's some amount of fear and that they need comfort. So they'll cry. And, um, and of course, what brings them comfort? Well, generally that's, you know, Justin or I going into their room and we'll will comfort them. So that looks like wrapping uh, my arms around them or I'll hold them and rock them. And I'll tell them things like, honey, you're safe. I'm here. I'm going to keep you safe. I'm watching over you. I bring them comfort by praying over them or by singing over them. And generally, after I do that list of of things, um, our little girls are calm and almost always they're back to sleep by the time I get through that. And I personally have this, you know, a fact about me is that when I'm awake, I'm awake. And when I'm asleep, I am very much asleep. Like there's not much in between. And so uh, if I have bad dreams, a lot of times I'll have very vivid dreams. But if I have bad dreams, sometimes I can wake up and I'm almost um, in a similar state where I'm almost convinced that it's reality, right? And I can wake up almost in a panic sometimes and so the same thing works for me and I'm, you know, an, an adult, but my husband, of course, he's there and he'll wake up and he'll say, honey, this isn't real. You are safe. The girls are safe. We're safe. He'll pray over me. He'll hold me. He'll give me comfort. And before I know it, um, I feel this peace kind of come back into my heart and over my mind. And then I generally am back to sleep pretty quickly. Um, And that kind of uh, comfort, that kind of love that, you know, we give to our girls or that my husband gives to me can really truly be this like soothing balm to a heart that's covered in fear in that moment, right? It's almost like it's been submerged in fear and it needs to get kind of washed off. I don't know if you've ever had that, especially with dreams, right? Where you wake up and it's like, I need to go take a shower from that to get it off. Um, but love, love has a way of sending that fear or that chaos running, right? 
And so this leads me to our opening passage today. And we are going to be jumping in to 1 John 4.18. It says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So, fear cannot exist where there is perfect love. Uh, fear does not exist in love, but no, quite the opposite. Perfect love, when it comes in, it casts out fear. Just like when my girls or I are having a, a bad dream. And if you are dealing with fear in your life, this does big a question. So what is perfect love then? And so the kind of love that is actually talked about in 1 John 14 is agape love. Uh, and that is love, meaning fatherly love that God has for humans, as well as what humans reciprocate to God. Uh, you know, this kind of love is faithful. It's committed. Uh, it will sacrifice without expecting anything in return. It's a fatherly kind of love. And this type of love is uh, the kind that the Bible speaks about the most. You know, the New Testament uh, actually has it over 200 times, which is a lot. And I believe that's because it is important to God. And he clearly wants us to understand more about this kind of love. He wants us to know it. And in the definitions, as I was reading, my favorite one that I came across was, uh, it said love feast, like a feast on love. So I had this picture in my head of like a big banquet table, lots of wonderful, delicious things. And like, that was love. <laughs> uh, and it's a good thought, right? So you're this thought that you're receiving such an overwhelming magnitude of um, good, wonderful things, good, wonderful love from a father. And then that uh, ends up kind of making no more room for fear to even be there. That fear can't even hang out at that table. It can't coexist. Uh, it doesn't coincide uh, and that made me think about first John four, eight, and it says, God is love. And maybe, maybe you don't know that God is love. Um, not God is loving. No, he in and of himself is perfect love. And so if God is love and per first John 14, love casts out fear and maybe you're combating fear in your life. And this leads me to a pretty important thought of today. And that is that if you want to cast out fear, you need to see the God of love rightly. If you want to cast out fear, you need to see the God of love rightly. You need to see his nature and his fatherly kind of love for you the way it really is, the way it truly is. And if fear is creeping in on you, as I know it does on me at times, and as it does for all of us, sometimes we just need an adjustment in our prescription. If you think about it in glasses, we need just our prescription adjusted to gain better clarity. Or maybe you just need to clean your glasses off. But either way, a fresh look uh, will not only um, equip you, but it'll refresh you. And honestly, it will knock fear um, on its heels and send it for the for the hills. So 1 John 4 goes on into verse 9 and 10. 
And it says, this is how God's love was revealed among us. So it says, God is love. Well, how was it revealed among us? So if you're wanting to understand this kind of love, if you need a revelation of the fatherly love of God, here's how he showed it to us. It goes on to saying that God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. And love consists in this, that not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So what is that saying? It's saying that God sent Jesus to be a sacrifice to clean us of our sins, right? We were dirty. We needed cleaned. We couldn't get clean. Jesus came to clean us, to sanctify us. And not because we had done anything to earn it, not because we loved him. No, because he had agape love for us, that he had perfect, sacrificial, without expectations of return kind of fatherly love. The kind of love that would lay its life down for you, just like I would for either one of my little girls. And if you're a parent, I know you know what I'm talking about. I, as a mom, wouldn't hesitate to protect my children or to push them out of harm's way, even if it was at a cost to me. Because my love for them, um, it's bigger than that, right? It's sacrificial. It doesn't have expectations that they would do anything to earn it. I love them because they're mine. And God, he's the same way. He has a sacrificial kind of love. And so another important part of seeing God correctly is knowing who he is and knowing attributes about who he is. So if you're with me, if you're taking notes today, we're going to jump in. Number one, if you need to see God clearly, you need to know that he's a promise keeper. So God throughout the Bible has made promises to his people. That's who he has been, right? That we see it with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, that God continually, generation to generation, has promised to take care of his people, to be their God, and to help them. And we see it in Isaiah 41, 8 through 10, that God is talking to Jacob, and he says, But you, O Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, descendant of Abraham, my friend, I brought you from the ends of the earth, and I called you from its farthest corners. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen and not rejected you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will surely help you. And I will uphold you with my right hand of righteousness. Man, that's so good, right? That you are mine. I have chosen you. You're not rejected. So you don't have to be afraid because you are mine and I am yours. I am your God, right? And these promises are absolutely for you and I today. He will not leave us. He will not forsake us. He will not um, 
man abandon us or reject us. No, he has promised to help us, to strengthen us. Uh, So what does he say? He says, don't fear. Why? (laughs) Well, because he says so. (laughs) And because God is uh, the kind of God who's the same yesterday. He's the same God uh, that's today. And the God that we know today is the God that will be forever. He's unchanging. And that leads me to point number two. To see God clearly, you need to know that God is unmoving. So scripture says that there's no turning of shadow with him and that he doesn't shift or move, right? So if you think about you're standing in the sun during the summer and you're standing as still as you possibly can, your shadow's not shifting, right? And scripture says the same thing. Oh man, it's so beautiful. It says, James 1.17, it says, whatever is good and perfect comes to us from God. He's the one who made all light. He does not change and no shadow is made by his turning. He doesn't shift, right? He doesn't move. Uh, He didn't back with Abraham or Jacob or Isaac. He's not going to today and he never will because he's the same God. Matthew 24, 35 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. That if he said it, you can count on it (laughs) because he's unmoving. And in Malachi 3, 6, it says, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. What a promise. He doesn't change. We aren't consumed. And you, friend, if you're facing fear or anxiety or anything for that matter, I just want to encourage you right here in the middle of this podcast, you will not be consumed, not by fear, not by anxiety, not by whatever's trying to climb up on you and make you feel discouraged or disengaged from your life. Uh, or your walk with the Lord, you will not be consumed. Why? Because your God does not change. And if your feet stay planted there, those things have no space to exist. So number one, if we want to see God clearly, we need to know that he's a promise keeper. Number two, we need to know that he's unmoving. And number three, if you want to see God clearly, you need to know that he is supreme. What do I mean by supreme? I mean the highest. <laughs> I mean the greatest. I mean the, the at the end of the day, the person with the final say. Oh man, the, the one who's seated on a throne up in heaven who literally holds it all in the palm of his hand. Literally. Your future, the future of our country, the future of our world, um, the the future for generations to come of our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. He holds it all. And so if he's supreme, then we can trust that, no, he's really in charge and he's, once again, not changing. So that's, man, that's a firm foundation to put your feet on. Psalm 135, the psalmist got it right? He said, for I know that the Lord is great and that the Lord is above all other gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth. 
in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said it himself. He came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And that hasn't changed, right? He died, uh, was crucified, and he rose again, and he still has all authority and all power and all dominion, regardless of whether it's in heaven or on earth or anywhere in between. So with his authority on heaven and on earth, that gives extra weight to James 4, 7, which says, submit yourselves then to God. If you resist the devil, he will flee from you. So by submitting to the greatest power that there is, the opposition that you're facing, man, fear, the devil, anxiety, whatever it is, it will flee from you. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And man, the love of God, because of the power of God, it has no height or depth. It is immeasurable. It's in, it's actually impossible for us to fathom. And so when we're talking about this perfect kind of love coming in, casting out fear, this all-consuming, crazy feast of a kind of love, oh man, that kind of love can reach us no matter where we are and no matter how we are. Romans 8.35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither, nor any height, or depth, or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us, will be able to separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am never too far out of the reach of love of the love of God. So friend, if you're facing fear today, if you're facing anxiety today, no matter where you find yourself, there's another passage and I didn't even put it in here, but uh, if I go to the depths there, you will be with me also. If I go to the highest peak, you're with me there also. Like uh, no matter where you find yourself today, his love is still bigger and farther reaching no matter where you are. No matter how dark or how deep it feels, his love can reach you there because he has all authority. Because he is supreme. So number one, we need to know he's a promise keeper. Number two, we need to know that he's unmoving. And number three, we need to know God is supreme. And then finally, number four, if we want to see God clearly, we need to know that God is for us. So back to Romans, man, Romans 8, verse 31. It says, if God is for us, 
who can be against us? If God is for me, what actually can stand against me? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also along with him freely give us everything? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? That's you. (laughs) That's me. Who will bring any charges against God's people? It is God who's the one who justifies, who is there to condemn us. For Jesus who died and more than that was raised to life is at the right hand of God and he is interceding for you. Man, who can be against you? Jesus, who already overcame death, who's got all authority and who is sitting at the right hand of God and who is justifying and judging things, he's interceding for you. He is praying for you and he is moving and working on your behalf. Friend, he is for you. And maybe you feel like you've gotten yourself into this place where somehow you deserve to be dealing with whatever you're dealing with. And that's possible, uh, not to take the weight of that off. It's possible that we get ourselves in situations all the time that are not God's will and are not God's best. And it's okay to sit in the uncomfortableness of that. That's that's what draws us uh, to say, you know what, I don't want this, right? I don't want this again. I don't want this now. (laughs) But man, even if you got yourself there, or even if you didn't, regardless, there is a promise that I know I personally come back to very often. And that's in second Chronicles 714 through 15. It says, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, if they will seek my face, if they will turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears will be attentive to the prayers offered in this place. And I have fallen on that verse more than I can even count at this point in my life. Man, if you humble yourself, if you seek his face, if you turn from your wicked ways, God will heal you. He will forgive you. And I believe that, man, the psalmist, uh, they get it right so often, but they're talking about the other side of humility and prayer and repentance in Psalm 34, 4. It says, I sought the Lord. And as 2 Chronicles says, hey, the Lord's eyes and ears are open. He's attentive. So what happens? I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. He heard me and he delivered me. So number one, if you want to see God clearly, you need to know he's a promise keeper. Number two, you need to know God is unmoving. Number three, you need to know God is supreme. And number four, you need to know God is for you. And friend, as you see him clearly, I pray that you feel that kind of peace that I was talking about earlier wash over you. 
even right now as you're listening, I pray that peace like a river would wash over your mind and wash over your body and that God's perfect, perfect love, his powerful love, his promise-keeping love, his unmoving love, his supreme love, his I am for you fatherly kind of love would just wash over you and take out any fear or anxiety that you might be dealing with. And so I'm going to leave you with um, just a, a letter that Paul had written to the church in Ephesus. And it felt so appropriate as a prayer that I really wanted to leave you with. So Ephesians 3, 16 through 20, it says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, that God will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people, man, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all the glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinite, infinitely more than we might ask or think. Lord, that's my prayer. <laughs> God, that our roots would grow deep down into your love as you, as we trust you, as we allow you in, that you would make your home in our hearts. And God, I pray that as our roots grow into your love, that you would strengthen us, that you would give us power through your Holy Spirit. And God, I just uh, speak against fear and against anxiety and against anything that would try to steal peace or clarity, any chaos, Lord, those things are not from you. But Lord, I pray that once again, your peace would just wash over minds, over bodies, over sickness, and that all of uh, the people listening, God, that their bodies and their minds and their spirits would just come into alignment with who you are, with the power and the authority of the name that's Jesus. Lord, that we call on that name and we trust in that name. So, Lord, your will be done. And once again, I just pray for roots that would be rooted in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friend, I love you. I pray that this episode has blessed you. Next week, we'll be back with another episode from the Lost and Found podcast. But in the meantime, I pray you have a peace-filled, power-filled Holy Spirit filled week. I love you. Be blessed.